Okay. We get frustrated when we play video games, but because my dear has a heart rate monitor, we can see that frustration expressed in the game. We start using that as an input. And so what my dear does, what that experience for the kid is, is that we show that to them. Like the kid now can see their emotions. They can now act on their emotions and they are asked to cool themselves back down in the moment. Welcome to Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today, and I'm your host, Eugene Burhovich. I thoroughly enjoy bringing you discussions with incredible industry leaders in every episode, and it would mean a lot to me if you could rate the podcast in your favorite player and hit that bell to be notified of future episodes. In the previous episode, I spoke with Simon Levy, CEO and co-founder, and Anne Montgomery, Chief Product Officer at Mahana Therapeutics. In their own words, Mahana develops digital treatments for people living with chronic health conditions, and their first treatment, Mahana for IBS, is now available as an FDA-cleared app. Today, I spoke with Jason Kahn, founder and chief science officer at Mightier. In their own words, Mightier is a digital program for kids that uses their heart rate to teach coping skills through game-based play. But before we dive in, I am ashamed to admit it, but I only learned about Mightier at a recent DTX West conference in San Mateo. I was immediately amazed by the product. I then sat down with David Kim, Managing Director at DigiTX Partners, as they are an investor in Mightier. After that, I ran over to Jason, we shook hands, and he said yes to this podcast. Serendipity at its best. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jason. Jason, welcome to the DTX podcast. I know we recently just met in San Mateo. And when we did, I was super excited to have you on. So thank you for saying yes and welcome. Hi, Eugene. It's great to be here. Very excited to talk with you today. For all of our listeners out there, would love a little bit more of your background and also how you got to the DTX. And then one key component of this is one small interesting fact about you. My name is Jason Kahn. I am chief science officer of a company called Mightier. I am also part-time instructor in psychiatry at both Boston Children's Hospital and Harvard Medical School. My training is in developmental psych, and I'm sure we're going to get to talk about Mightier a whole lot, but that's really, Mightier is my story into DTX, and I have a bunch of hobbies, but I think probably the one that stands out is I spend a lot of time cooking, and I'm very proud of my ability to make pretty much anything. That's an amazing skill. I may take some pointers there. So let's dive right into Mightier. What was the instigation or the trigger to start Mightier? And then also, I can only imagine what the name means, but maybe tell us a little bit more about even the logo slash the name. As I said at the beginning, I started my career at Boston Children's Hospital. And it's really hard to ignore the access crisis when you are in a mental health or a psychiatry clinic. We know we have a full waiting room, but we also know we have these huge waiting lists of kids just waiting to get care. And behind every one of those kids on a list is a story of a family that urgently needs help, that they're desperate for help, and they don't have access to the services they need. Their kids are not seeing the improvement that would come with services. And sometimes things get worse. And when you actually then sit down and interact with these families, you just hear the actual personal cost of all of those is astronomical. And so I wanted to fix that. I wanted to be part of the solution on how we were going to fix that. And the name, my dear, really speaks to how we see kids and how we see families. 
mental health is something that can often be very hard to talk about, very difficult to talk about. And when we see kids, we just, we see strengths and we don't see the stigma. We don't see the challenges. We see the strengths and we know we can build on these strengths and end up with kids who are mightier. And so that's where the name comes from. I absolutely love that definition. I love how you guys are approaching that. And unfortunately, there's still a lot of stigma around mental health as much as it's been publicized out there. Let's dive in. And I know I can tell the passion of helping these millions of individuals and kids and their parents as caregivers around it. But let's just briefly talk a little bit about your funding journey and some of the key milestones along the way. There are a lot of entrepreneurs. And in order to bring products to market, whether you like it or not, you need funding. So uh, (laughs) whichever way you get, it doesn't need to be VC funding. For us, we are VC-backed, so we're a Series B company. We've raised, my academic nature is going to come out. We've raised in the high 20s. I don't often think about the exact number. Our funding journey, I was working in an academic hospital. I was working at Boston Children's Hospital. And a lot of that initial work took place because we had access to government grants, private grants, and being able to do the research in that setting really set us up in a place where we had a set of high-quality data that we felt really good about bringing out into the world with families. Well, that sound means it's time for a question from my amazing partner on this podcast, Chandana Fitzgerald, who is the CEO of Health Excel, and as her friends call her, Dr. No Crack. Let's see what question Chandana has for our guest today. Hi, Jason. What are your thoughts on the total addressable market for your digital therapeutic as pediatric behavioral health seems to be a sought-after market by a number of new products? Thanks, Shadana. It is very large, but it is also very uncoordinated. So when we look at the total spend in behavioral health therapy for kids, for pharma for kids, and then even when you think about the total addressable market, even branching out into education, where we see schools taking on a lot of the burden of kid mental health, the amount of spend is mind-boggling. And then you actually just think about how much of the spend is reaching kids. We're not actually helping everyone with need. So if we go to CDC numbers, we know about one in five kids have a diagnosable mental health illness. We know that only, only one in four of them gets the care they need. And so when we think about what the system is doing right now, we're spending these astronomical sums of money And we're not even reaching everyone. So I think that for us, when we think about that market, we see this huge need, but we also see this really uncoordinated system. And like, that's part of the challenge as we think about how are we going to serve this market is like, how do we help coordinate different players that are involved in providing care? As usual, I'm going to hop in there and I alluded to also the impact on the parents and their caregivers of the kids and the impact to the spend and economy into their own anxieties around all of this. So a big market out there and unfortunately growing. Let's dive in a little bit on the user or customer or patient experience. I don't know what you guys call, because I think the important part is these are kids. And so how do you interact? How do parents find you? Just walk us through a little bit of how that experience is. The first thing is like a user signs up for my dear. They raise their hand. They say, this is something that I think can help my kid. And then again, with this idea of how do we bridge to access, our goal is to have product, have the product at their door within two to three days of them ordering this thing. And so the actual user experience, a blue box shows up at their door. 
Blue Box has a heart rate monitor. It has directions for how to get started. And then we really work on building both an experience for the kid and for a family. So on the kid's side of this, kids are playing biofeedback video games. They're playing biofeedback video games. There's a library of games. We bring on more games. And what they're doing with these games is they are getting into all these spaces. Like we all have played video games. We all know kids. We've all seen kids games. I mean, probably most of the people listening out there, hello. Like my guess is that you've played video games, right? Okay. We get frustrated when we play video games. But because my dear has a heart rate monitor, we can see that frustration expressed in the game. We start using that as an input. And so what my dear does, what that experience for the kid is, is that we show that to them. Like the kid now can see their emotions. They can now act on their emotions. And they are asked to cool themselves back down in the moment. Because what we're doing, which feels a little backwards to adults, but what we're doing inside that game is that the second we see someone get frustrated, we make the game harder. The way I describe it to adults is this. Think of the last time you got angry. It was probably fairly recently something you got frustrated, got angry. The world does not get easier for you in that moment. The world gets harder. And what you want is the ability to bring yourself back down, to cool yourself back down. And so we have kids repeating this exercise over and over and over and over again and doing it in lots of different situations because there are so many games on Mightier. The other thing we do is we just try to make it part of the family experience, right? So we have four families. We have a parent app. We have a community they can join. We have these physical activity kits that come into the home that a parent can do so they can build a shared language with their kid. Just lots of things that wrap around the entire experience. We're both trying to make sure the kid doesn't feel like they're on display, like here, play these games and go off and go do this thing. But also like for a parent who wants to, they can then bring the experience even more to the home. And do parents get some kind of feedback, data, how your kid is doing, et cetera? Just curious. They do. We do give parents feedback about how much their kid is playing, how much their kid is cooling down, how it is going. The other thing we do is we ask parents how it's going too. And that's part of how we learn how we make our product continually better. Parents reported outcomes, right? Yes. As far as the games themselves, are you guys a game developers? Are you licensing these? What's the arrangement there? Or how are you guys working with games? Most of our effort is around licensing games. There are so many games out in the world and so many of the game developers that we interact with, like they want to help their games have lives where they can help more kids. Because so many games innately have the types of challenges that really push on kids like executive functions. So things like planning, things like short-term memory, the types of things that then when a child struggles, they start to give these elevated responses. We can adapt to many, 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 many games in the marketplace. And both good news and bad news for game developers, there's infinite games out there. And so we're able to then bring on and work with these games. And then the benefit for kids on the other side, like, is that they have this variety of experiences on Mightier. It's not just one game that has been developed by us. It's these many, many, many games. Let's actually dive into, because to me, this is fascinating, right? And I'd love to, for our listeners to understand a little bit. Now let's get into your world, the science world. We'd love to understand the mechanisms of action and the underlying technology, for lack of a better term, that you guys are using. When we think of mechanism, we actually think of this thing called a cooldown, which we sort of talked about when we were talking just through the product. But the idea of the cooldown is that when you get into an elevated state, you are able to exert some sort of regulation over that state. And 
mightier works on sort of the psychosocial level first by scaffolding you through that cooldown. So we will give children skills like deep breathing, like progressive muscle relaxation, like guided visualization that will help them relax, that will help them cool down. What we see over time is that the more cooldowns kids do, the more automatic cooldowns become. Kids don't feel like they need to take a breathing break or they don't need to take a progressive muscle relaxation break, which again, that sort of automatic response is what we hope for. Again, even just thinking about our own experiences, we don't get into an argument and then be like, okay, okay, Eugene, like I get it. This is really important. We need to work it out, but I just need to go spend five minutes deep breathing. That's not usually a choice that we have. And so getting kids to the point where they're able to do this automatically is really helpful in our vision of success for a kid. As kids do more cooldowns, they obviously get better at the skill. And because it's repeated and because there are all these games, we see hundreds, if not thousands of cooldowns per player inside of Mightier. For the parents to trust you guys that you will help their kids, let's dive deeper into the evidence generation. And the magic question here also is, are you guys planning to go prescription route? Let's start on the evidence side. We deeply care about our ability to provide the best possible intervention to a family and be able to talk to a family in the most honest possible way. And so built into our product from the very beginning has been this history of randomized controlled trials, sham controlled randomized controlled trials, like we've done externally validated randomized controlled trials done by separate teams of researchers, like this idea that our data and our findings are both trustworthy and replicable outside of our own walls. And personal opinion, but that standard of evidence should be the price of admission for anyone who wants to be in the DTX space. I don't see any other way around it. We are saying we are going to help families. We have to be able to credibly help families. We have to be able to put our data up for peer review. And if we can't do that, then we shouldn't be in this field. The question about prescription is an interesting one. I know that there are different answers to this. I personally feel very strongly about the need to figure out ways to drive access in mental health. And I think that the data that matters is our clinical trials. I think the data that matters is also the number of families that you've reached out in the world. We've been in over 80,000 homes at this point. We have these families giving us feedback, constantly telling us how we're doing in the real world. And us being able to make sure that our laboratory results translate into living rooms. That's a hard step. And for us, being able to be out there, being able to work with these families directly has been very important to me. We're going to take a quick break and be right back with Jason Kahn, founder and chief science officer at Mightier. Now, you guys, to my understanding, started with direct-to-consumer. How's it going? There are a lot of benefits to starting direct-to-consumer, and I will say that it was absolutely the right move for us. As we just talked about that, we have evidence of efficacy in a laboratory to this is something that is effective at scale as a hard one. And so... By being direct-to-consumer, what we did is we forced ourselves to work in families to become a consumer product, to become something that was easy to get started with, to become something that was fun for kids, not just something that somebody could say like, okay, if you're in a clinical trial and someone is paying you to do this thing, you're going to get exposure to the evidence, you're going to get enough of a dose, and you're going to see improvement. And so that D2C start really forced us to like get very serious about engagement very, very fast, and it did us a lot of good. The other piece is that it really did put us in the right place at the right time. Unfortunately, we had this pandemic thing happen in 2020. And I think that unfortunately, there was a lot of kid behavioral health need that came out of that. And being able to 
be part of a lot of family stories, many, many family stories during that pandemic was a great honor, not just for me, but for everybody at Mightier. As we think about going forward, though, obviously, we want to be part of the medical system more. And that leads perfectly into my next question, because direct-to-consumer models require advertising, require sometimes very leaky funnels on one side of it, et cetera. And to grow your base, many of the companies in, let's call it broadly digital health, has been moving to B2B channels. Are you guys looking at that? Are you exploring different channels within it, whether it's employer, health plan, and others? Yeah, I would say all of the above, honestly. It's been an enthusiastic guess. As we just alluded to, we want to be part of the healthcare system. This is where families are. For us, the name of the game is where are families? How do we reach families? And it's been all of them. It's been insurance. It's been employer. One of the things that's been really exciting for us is Medicaid access. It's been good to grow into this because we've been able to find more families. Amazing. And I think obviously DTC has its limitations. So do B2B or employer and health plans. But I think the combination and your product is your product that can get deployed across multitude of channels to reach to your point and your mission of reaching kids everywhere or wherever you possibly can. We've talked about games and tech. And I always like to say that we overstress on technology. And yes, that provides us larger access because technology is more accessible than us human beings. But I'm curious how you think of humans in this equation, especially you're not planning to go prescription, so no doctor really involved in that process directly, at least from a prescription perspective. But how you look at therapists, health coaches, and other humans surrounding it, outside of the parents and caregivers, of course. I think about this and I think about our system. We've all got to like be part of the same team. And I think that the various roles of coaches, of social workers, of therapists, of psychiatrists, of pediatricians who are far, 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 far too often asked to be the front line of kid mental health. We all need to think about this. We all need to talk about this. And we all need to get on the same page about what we want care to look like. And so... This is not a problem where we can just throw any sort of technological intervention into the home and just like walk away. This is a system where, like anything else, like we're going to have people who respond to the technology, but we're also going to have people who don't respond to the technology. And the system needs to be able to take care of them all the way through. And ideally identify those individuals early on. That's actually one of the really fun things. We just think about this and like there are so many people. The doctors are frustrated too because they know they're not providing the care to the people they need. So if we can take some of them and move them to a different space, then if you're a pediatrician or you're a psychiatrist or you're a psychologist, you know that the level of people you're treating, you're able to provide your care, your specialty, your expertise to more people who need it. Absolutely. As a scientist yourself, because I always ask the question, pick one and give your thoughts or advice so let's maybe give some advice to researchers and scientists out there that are developing the next DTX. Yeah, absolutely. I look at the field right now, and I think we've grown up a lot over the past 10 years. I think that one of the things that I'm most excited about is our ability to start finding new mechanisms that were not possible before we had access to this huge suite of technology. We went with the sensor route. We were able to pull this thing out of a sensor, and we were able to make find some success with the sensor. Anyone who reads the news today knows that there's so much stuff going on in the AI space that it's mind-boggling on a day-to-day -day basis what's going on. How that becomes a mechanism of action, I do not know. I have no crystal ball. But there are options that are not available when we just think about the paradigms we've been using in mental health for the past 30 years. So 
Well, I really enjoy the fact that we've been able to take the current paradigms, put them inside of technology and sort of broaden their access. What I get most excited about is this idea that as researchers, we'll be able to define new things, things that nobody has seen before, and then go do the hard work of validating that these things provide real benefit to the people we want to help. And when we think about these people we want to help, the policy implications are huge. If you're working on public health, if you're working in an insurance company, you are forced to manage this ocean of need, this ocean of mental health need, and really encouraging them to think about how we can use technologies as a bigger front door, as a way to serve people, right, to use this metaphor, who are standing on the porch, on the outside of a system looking in. And I think that for policymakers, really defining what that system looks like, trying to break ourselves out of a little bit of some of the current limitations on coding will be really helpful. I love that. Two for one on this episode. I know you guys have been around for five-ish, I think, years, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yep. So relatively speaking, still newcomer as Mightier, as a company. And so I started asking the question of who do you look up to or inspired by in the digital health broadly or DTX specifically, however you want to define it? Obviously, there are many, many, many pioneers in this space. I'm going to name two who are a little sort of, I think, outside of the mainstream or not necessarily as well-known. One of them is this psychiatrist, Joe Gonzalez-Hadrick, who has been my mentor at Boston Children's Hospital forever. His general curiosity around how we use technology in the field of psychiatry has been really pushing that system forward for 20 years, at least at this point. I think it's been really impressive. And it's been things like treatment. It's also been things like informatics. I was lucky to get to meet him very early, and it's been very nice. The other is psychiatrist, actually, she's in New Zealand, but this psychiatrist, Dr. Sally Mary, again, this idea of how do we put kids first? How do we speak to kids? How do we speak to kids in a very authentic way? Because I think it's all too easy to fall into the trap of, look, I'm building a technology. I'm a grown-up. I'm going to treat my designs as if I am a grown-up. I'm going to treat my mechanisms as if I'm a grown-up. But really stepping back and being like, no, what do the kids need? What do these kids need? What is going to be beneficial from these kids? How do I speak to them both from a therapeutic language, but also a design language? I don't know. It's inspiring. It's very cool. Fantastic. We started with you, Jason. And as every single one of these episodes, we want to end with you as a human being that's doing some amazing stuff. So what gets you up in the mornings? Oh, I wouldn't say this is ending with me at all, but I think... There are a lot of inspirational families. There are a lot of inspirational parents out there who are trying to figure out the best things out there for their kids. I know that raising a kid who has mental health illnesses can be very challenging and very draining, and it requires a lot of effort for on behalf of parents. And I'm inspired by those parents. I'm inspired by how they help their kids. I'm inspired by how they think about helping their kids every day. And if I can go in to work every day and make their life a little bit easier, then I know I'm doing a good thing. Jason, thank you very much for sharing your story, what you guys are doing at Mightier, and looking forward to staying in touch. It's been great to talk to you. I'm so looking forward to keeping in touch with you, Eugene. Thank you. Thanks for tuning into the Digital Therapeutics Edition of Digital Health Today, a production of mission-based media. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast player so you're automatically notified each time I speak with one of these amazing leaders and trailblazers who are forging the path for digital therapeutics. If you'd like to learn more about Your Coach Health or Health Excel, you can find the links to this and more in the show notes for this episode. 
I'm Eugene Borohovich, and catch you next time.